there's a lot of people in the Mahatma Church who, who are young like me and who don't know about the Mahatma Church and they're probably stuck in the Mahatma Church. Maybe I can reach out to them. Hmm. Um, that's kind of how I started, but then now I'm like, that's not at all why I stay. Like I stay because I can't imagine being anywhere else. Hey everybody, this is George. This is the Martha Mo Community Podcast, and today uh, I'm excited because we have uh, one of our clergy uh, from the diocese uh, as our guest. He's the current vicar at the Martha Mo Church of Silicon Valley, uh, as well as the Sacramento Congregation, and uh, Reverend Larry Varghese. Uh, welcome to the show. Hey, hey George. Good to be here. Great, Larry Etchen. So, uh, Larry Etchen, uh, when we talked, uh, we settled on a topic centered um, or starting at uh, the fact that you are a second generation um, uh, American, right? Your parents migrated here and you were born and raised here in the U.S. And uh, you were in the uh, born and raised in the U.S., brought up in this diocese. Uh, and then fast forward, you're now an Utchin for the Martha Church. So we were going to talk a little bit about how that came to be. Uh, and then we can continue on into a little bit of uh, your observations after being an Utchin here uh, for some time, uh, specifically up around um, the the next generation taking ownership uh, of the church here. So um with that, uh, I guess, why don't we start with, I guess, why don't you give us a little bit of your background about uh, growing up here? Well, um, yeah, so my parents, I think they came, I don't know the exact dates, and uh, I'll be embarrassed when they bust me on this, but they came <laughs> in the 70s for sure, I can say that much, and um, I'm the youngest of three boys, and we were all born in Pasadena, Texas. Um, we... We, we grew up the normal way that every other family grows up. Um, I guess our family was a little different in that my eldest brother has a Down syndrome. And so that definitely changed the dynamics of our home a lot. But yeah, we were kind of, uh, all my schooling was in Houston. And then I went off to Austin for my, um, for my uh, degree in Bachelor of uh, Science in Electrical Engineering. Hmm. And... Uh, that was that was fun, and uh, <laughs> after uh, I, by the way, I wasn't pushed into that. Like I, I actually enjoy math and science and, and physics, and I still do enjoy it. Yeah, um, it's like uh, between me and my wife, she's like, okay, you you have to teach all that stuff to our kids. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting you say that. So I I I always joke about that as well. I was uh, I did my undergrad in mechanical engineering. Uh, and everyone's like, uh-huh. oh, yeah, you know, typical Malayali. I'm like, well, nobody really pushed me. I just kind of just did it because that's what I liked. And <laughs> so everyone's like, yeah. oh. So, the, the funny thing is I don't understand why everyone else doesn't like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's everyone else has the problem right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Interesting. So uh, electrical engineering. Um, and then uh, I guess after uh, undergrad, uh uh, where did you head after that? So after uh, my undergrad days, I came back to Houston, and that's when 
I started to like enter into this phase of of really evaluating the Marthama Church because I guess before that, when I was in Austin, I was off and on in, in going to church. There was no Marthama Church back in Austin in those days, mm-hmm. and so I would do a little bit of church hopping. And I, I mean, uh, truth be told, like for about a year, I, I kind of just didn't go to church. Um, slowly started to come back into it. Whenever I visited home, I I pretty much told my parents I don't feel like I fit into the Martha Church. Hmm. Um, it just it it seemed like it was a Malayali thing to do, and <laughs> I had nothing against the church in principle. It's just I didn't feel like it so wasn't the in. place for you. Yeah, I, I, it it wasn't the place for me, or maybe I wasn't the place a person for it. Okay, I, I mean I don't know if it's the problem, um, <laughs> or if there was a problem. It just didn't feel right. Yeah. Um, my parents were a little upset about that. I mean, you, you, as can be imagined, they hoped that I would come. But I think, you know, without going too much into it, they had their own experiences in the church. And right. I think they understood why I would say that, where I was coming from. And even though they would never leave, um, yeah. as long as I go to another church, I think they, they were okay with it. Um, and I wasn't like super rebellious about it. When I came home, sometimes I would go with them, sometimes I wouldn't, and we just kind of didn't make a big deal about it. As long as everyone is not lost the faith, I mean, everyone was okay with one another, it seemed. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, so, it was, so then when I came back, though, from Austin, to I came back to Houston, and I was uh, actually, I took a semester off, and I got right back into studies. And I got into the um, the engineering program at the University of Houston, and in so there's like this my story like takes like these two different parallels because there's like the school angle and then there's the church angle. So hmm. on the school front, I'm going for my PhD in engineering, but then on the church side of things, I I had this this weird experience um, that I probably is not relevant or is going to fit in the time of this, but. I had this experience where I, I realized that if I feel like God is asking me to do something, I can't say no. Hmm. And uh, and so when I came back to Houston, my parents said, you know, come with us. And that nagging question, uh, that thing was in the back of my head, just don't say no. So I was like, okay, fine. And I kind of thought to myself, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to go through the motions and get stuck at this. If I'm going to leave, let me figure out what I'm leaving. Um, mm. Okay. And so I, I really got into asking a bunch of questions and trying to figure out what our church was about. And I don't know where it, I stumbled across this book, if it was at home in our library or someone had recommended it. I don't remember, honestly, but it's this book by um, – late Alexander Martha Metropolitan. The name of the book is called Martha Church Heritage and Mission. Okay. It was, I mean, I, and I, you know, I just, not for the sake of this, but I had looked it up sometime back because I was trying to recommend it to someone who is joining the church. And it's on Amazon, uh, and it's only like $126. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not me selling my copy either. I, I don't know who's doing that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm sure like it, it, anyone can get a hold of it if you you know ask your Achin to talk to our diocese, the Literature Society. Right. There's copies of it. 
Right. Anyway, um, that book was so eye-opening for me because uh, it made me like, first of all, he explained what the church came from, which I think I'd heard about these stories before, but I don't know, maybe now I'm older and maybe my perspectives have changed. So I, I it just seemed more relevant to me mm-hmm. that we were kind of like a rebellious group, like Abraham Marthoma was someone right. who did not want to fit in with the flow. Um, like even he got excommunicated. Yeah. Uh, he rejected the authority of the Metropolitan at the time. Like, I don't want to sound really crazy right now, but no, I mean, that's what our... Uh, founding fathers looked like. That's, that's what we're all about yeah. in, a, <laughs> in a funny yeah. way, right? <laughs> it, it totally is what we're all about. And so this book, like he, he goes on to talk about where we come from. And then he, like, I, I this is one thing that no one really told me. Um, he told us, uh, he told, he says in the book, like how the church has achieved a lot of things in India. Um, stuff like the Mahatma Church was the one to start the oldest indigenous um, you know, run mission field mm-hmm. in Angola. And I think it's crossed like 150 years recently. Wow. Um, then there's, the, of course, right, the Maraman Convention, which is so like normalized now. Right. But in those days, I mean, it, an annual convention aimed for evangelizing. Um, uh, and then this was like, it sounds ridiculous now because maybe you think that not enough has happened, but it's been 101 years since we started the women's wing of our church in Sadie Oh, wow. Like, I, I can't believe that in 1919, mm-hmm. uh, a bishop said, you know what? Our women are an important part of our church, right? So they should right. have a wing. So, I mean, this was like, this was like so big to me. And I, I would honestly say, though, that the part that really made me, uh, you know, enamored with the Stidamini is the fact that towards the end of the book, he starts critiquing the church. Oh. Yeah. And so he says, you know, uh, we have stalled in our reformation. He says stuff like the zeal for evangelizing these days is decreasing. We're getting too rich and too comfortable. And so for me, uh, you know, with all my kind of naive kinds of ideas of how a church ought to be, it was kind of like I had in my mind, either the church now needs to be good or I'm going to go and leave and find another church. Hmm. But reading this, like he's the head of the church. He loves the church. And he's actually, so far, I haven't met anyone who critiques the church as strongly as he does in that oh. book, yeah. right? Who's at that level. So it, it, it helped me to get out of that naive notion that my church has to be perfect now. No, I can I can love the church and still be very um, aware of all of its brokenness in the present day context. Right. So that was that book like really gave me a fresh perspective on the Muslim church and that really helped me to like go down this path of figuring out what we are about. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. Then, yeah. Uh, sorry. Interrupt there, but you know, just yes. this idea of the the book, right, and how how much of an impact that had on you, uh, it it made me kind of jump to an experience I had, which I I think somewhat relevant. Let's see, let's see where it goes. But um, so when I was getting more involved with uh, church leadership to the point where I was on the executive committee, um, and that kind of thing, 
you know, so I, I was uh, having experiences where people keep quoting the Constitution, right? And as a nation, I'm sure you, you run into that. Right? Yeah. So yeah, it I finally got to a point where I was like, okay, I want to read this and see what it is you are quoting because some of it sounds a little funky. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, um, uh, long story short, I ended up finding uh, a copy of it somewhere that wasn't a, uh, it was like a photocopy or something like that. So I had some reference. And then fast forward a couple of years, Abby, I was the secretary uh, of my current parish last year, and I was running into the same situation where other people were quoting the Constitution. And I said, okay, I'm the secretary now. I should have a copy of this. <laughs> And anyway, the process that I had to go through, for better or for worse, it wasn't very easy, I'll say. You know, it's like, in short, it's like, hey, you got to call this uncle and he'll send you a copy. That's, it's supposed to be that simple. You mean to get a hold of the book? I'm sorry? You mean to like get a hold of that book? To get a hold of that book, yes. A official Uh, copy of the most recent constitution. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, so I got it, right? And uh but I had to okay. I had to ask my dad to help me out. <laughs> I was like, "Dad, can you call this uncle because I tried, I couldn't get a hold of him." You know. So again, it's not to put anybody in a bad light, but I think yeah. it just raises the point that, you know, there's a lot of material out there, not just the constitution, but things like this book that you mentioned and, and that our church is known for from what I I've heard, you know, especially Oh yeah. And and for whatever reason, it just doesn't seem accessible, um, at least in this diocese. Uh, any thoughts on that, yeah. or would you, would you disagree? No, you're 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 totally right. You know, funny thing about the Constitution that we say in the Etchen circles, and, and I know this is going to reach a wider audience, so mm-hmm. I don't get in too much trouble. Um, <laughs> we jokingly, we jokingly say that uh, you know. Um, when these books are being sold, like we don't go and really push for it to get into the hands of the people because oftentimes as soon as it gets into someone's hands, yeah, these general body meetings take a lot longer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. people are nitpicking one after another. And you know, the constitution's kinda like uh, to us what the Ten Commandments are to the Jews. <laughs> kind of, oh, wow! <laughs> people get so obsessed with that thing. Yeah, um, and it's needed. It's needed. I mean, we need it because yeah. we're broken people. <laughs> but, but you know, when you talk about the other books, you're you're totally right. You know, in our diocese, we do have a, a this organization that does sell it. Right. Um, but kind of, it, it's not super accessible. Um, I had the chance when I when I was in seminary to go to this uh, bookstore called CSS Bookstore, which is yep. right next to our headquarters in Diderunla. Yep, I'm familiar. And every time I walk in there, I would look to see if there was any more new books written by any of our Achins or any of our ladies, and I would pick up a copy. So, like, I have a whole shelf in my library that's just, you know, Marthoma books. Wow. And anytime I take a class nowadays in, in, in parish, I will bring like a stack of these books and show them like, this is the stuff that we have. And I feel always feel bad because at the end, it always seems like I'm taunting them because I have these books and they won't get access. <laughs> but I'm hoping that they'll change one day. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a simple thing to change, I think. Yeah. It's a, I think that's a topic for another day, but it's a, again, I think it is a, uh, something worth talking about. Right. So there are definitely, 
I wouldn't say it's for everybody and not everybody is into, um, you know, that, that type of reading. I, I think a lot of the, a lot of the titles from what I've seen can get very deep into the theology and the, and the study. Um, but for the people who are interested in that, um, it's like you said, you know, that had a huge impact on you. Um, so I think it's something we can work on. So, uh, at what point would you say idea of joining the clergy kind of entered your mind? Was there anything specific that prompted that? The, yeah, joining the clergy. So I think I, I finally got to a point where I realized that ministry is what I'm going to love to do the most. Mm-hmm. There's a whole backstory to that, but that's okay. Um, it got to that point where I, I just like, I, I really was wanted to teach. Uh, that's why I was going for my PhD. Mm. Um, but in any good school where teaching is, you know, where you get the access to good students who want to learn, uh, you will get to maybe teach 15% of the time as a professor. Then the rest of the time you got to do research. Right. Um, and so I just, I, I enjoyed research, but I didn't love it. And okay. when it boiled down to it, I, I was started taking this college kids Bible study class that, that Lena Koshi, um, I don't know where she is now, but she told me to take it. And I told her, no way. I, I, I'm not that type of person. Um, but then it was, well, I'm not going to say no. I'm going to say yes to it. And I, I really got into just studying the Bible and reading theology. And so it, it was like a, a whole bunch of these small little yeses over the course of time that finally led to um, this moment where um, I I kind of reached a fork uh, in my life and I mm-hmm. needed to decide okay, I needed to, which path am I going to take and I asked myself you know what would I miss the most um, if I go down um, and this is going to sound really confusing because there's bits in between but the specific question was what would I miss the most if I go to med school okay. um, and because yeah, that was also one of the ideas at the time. It was on and, the table, yeah. My, it, yeah. I'd taken my NCATs and I was applying to schools. And um, when I asked myself that question, I assumed that my first answer would be like I'd miss family or, or friends. or. Um, but for some reason, the, the answer that just came into my head was I'd really miss that Bible study class. <laughs> and then... And that was so weird to me. And then I thought, wait a minute, it's, and this is like the engineering side of me. It's like, if I would miss it the most, then I must love it the most. And if I love it the most, then why don't I do that instead? Right. Um, and so that, that, like that night I went to sleep as confused as I'd ever been, but I, I slept so comfortably. And I knew I wanted to do something in ministry. I didn't know what. It just kind of naturally then leaned towards Martha ministry because um, and I had, end, I think I ended up saying this answer in like an interview for seminary. They asked me, you know, why do you want to be a Martha Lunch? And I had given, I had developed this like elaborate answer of like, you know, of, of all the disciples, Thomas came to India and of all the places in India, he lands in the Malabar coast and of all the different paths and trajectories, you know, my parents end up in the Martha church and of all the families that could have come to America, my parents were one who came here and hmm. uh, you know there's so many different paths that could have happened but somehow I, I'm here in this path I just can't think that God would 
take that, I, I would end up being at the end of this long path only to just go in a different direction. Hmm. Like, I feel like there's a, there's a significant trajectory behind me and I want to trust God and pursue that trajectory. And so that I stayed in the Martha church and, and my thinking also was, you know, there's a lot of people in the Martha church who, who are young like me and who don't know about the Martha church and they're probably stuck in the Martha church. Maybe I can reach out to them. Hmm. Um, that's kind of how I started. But then now I'm like, that's not at all why I stay. Like I stay because I can't imagine being anywhere else. Right. Um, I just that like, I, I really gel now really well with the ethos of our church. And, you know, based on what that book said, mm-hmm. you know, Alexander Thiedemann's book, like right. that version of the Muslim church, I love. Okay. And, so it and, sounds like you're you're uh, uh, implying that there's another version of the church <laughs> floating out there somewhere. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. That's the version we're in now. <laughs> oh okay. So why don't maybe we should talk about that version a little bit? So you uh, know, <laughs> a senior youth once told me, um, you, you "Grass is always greener on the other side of the fence." Right? And, right. and we all know that phrase. And, right. He said he said something that really you know influenced me. He's like, you know, I, I don't like people saying that. If the grass is greener on the other side, what you need to do is bust out the manure, get whatever you, things you need, and you need to make your side green. Yeah, yeah. And and, and that's that's what I feel like I, I get the chance to do. Hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, it's a you know as you were saying that it um, maybe we heard it from the same person. I don't know, uh, but uh, that that. Uh, line of thinking is something that I adopted it uh, at some point, just this idea that, you know, I'm in the church now and there's all these reasons of, of why. And if I were to leave and go somewhere else, it's like, okay, it might turn out fine, but I wouldn't have, it's impossible to have that same level of, uh, I guess, interaction or uh, just even just knowledge, basic knowledge uh, if I were to go to some, some say like a non-denominational church, right, that cultural aspect isn't there that I share with the Martha Church, uh, as an yeah. example. And so I think for a long time that is what motivated motivated me to stick around uh, as well. So it's interesting when you were saying that, but um, yeah, no, uh, sticking around and and. and getting your hands dirty and in the dirt to, to make the grass greener. I think that's, <laughs> that is uh, definitely a task that we have ahead of us. <laughs>